How many of you are happy tonight? Come on now. How many of you are really happy? Said happier are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. We're supposed to be happy people. Praise God. How many of you like to hear a little story? This is a true story. It really happened. My pastor had a sister and uh, they were in their service time praising the Lord and everything else. And it was really, it was really dry. You know, it just, it just wasn't clicking at all. The band was really doing its job, trying to get the people pumped up, trying to get them to, to really get into praise and worship. And he just couldn't seem to do it. And so the pastor went up and he, he stood up and, and uh, he said, uh, let's just everybody stand back to our feet again. They had been seated. Let's just everybody stand back to our feet again. He called the band to come back up on the platform and, and uh, they just began to play a kind of an upbeat song and everything else. Well, his sister was up on the front row and uh, his sister had this, this fear of uh, any kind of bug. And so there was a bug flying around in the sanctuary and uh, the people didn't see the bug evidently, but the bug found his sister. And it went down her blouse, down her back. Well, you know, that's kind of creepy and everything else. But she started uh, wiggling, you know, and and kind of shaking. She was reaching back like this, pulling down like that and everything else. And the other ladies that were around her thought that the Holy Ghost had hit her. And so they came up and they started doing everything she was doing. And so she started jumping and she's shaking her, trying to get this, this bug out of her blouse and everything else. And it, it just, it just wouldn't come out. And so she started jumping down the aisle. Well, when she started jumping down the aisle, the ladies started following her. So everybody thought that the Holy Ghost had hit these ladies and you no, know, and, and, and things were just, just moving uh, real smooth and everything. And it got them excited. They were moving. They were moving, they were jumping, the band was still playing, everything was, was moving right along, and there was a lady that was with her, jumping alongside of her, she had on a wig, and her wig began to fly off. So we got one with a bug, and one with a wig, and the wig ends up turning sideways because they tried to put it back on her head. Now I said all that to say this, God will do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get people to move. Listen, when you get in Holy Ghost revival, you have no idea what the Holy Ghost is going to do. Because we roll out the red carpet to the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. And he's liable to do all kinds of phenomenal things. We read about it in the scripture where things like that happened. Not necessarily with a bug, but... We'll, we'll look at one in just a few minutes. Open up your Bibles, if you would, please. I want to start with Psalm. It's not on the list, but Psalm chapter number 100. Psalm 100. You should know this one by heart. Psalm 100. 
So Holy Spirit, if you want to use a bug tonight, go right ahead. Whatever you want to do. He said, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. He said, make a a joyful noise. Not an awful noise. A joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Praise God. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates. Enter into his gates. That means you need to enter into his gates. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to enter into his gates. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. How many of you know that qualifies you? You're one of those generations that's afar off, but nonetheless, it means that that's part of your life as well. Amen. How many of you believe that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever you have need of, he has the supply. He's not lacking in supply. We don't have to beg him. All we have to do is ask. And I'll show that to you in just a minute. Acts 10, verse 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and what? And with power, who went about doing good and healing all, everybody say all, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How many of you believe God is with you? How many of you believe that still operates and functions for you? That word is just as much for you as it was for Jesus. That's how God anointed Jesus. That's how God's anointed you. With the Holy Ghost and fire. I want to talk to you tonight. We're, we're, we're having uh, revival, summer revival nights on Wednesday. And revival has basically three elements in it. And I want to talk about those three elements. Pastors mentioned two of them. The first one is the word revival. Revival. The second one is outpouring. And the third one is awakening. There is revival. Then there's an outpouring and then there's an awakening. A revival deals with the individual person. 
The outpouring deals with the manifestations or the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And the awakening is an effect that takes place upon the city, upon your state, and then upon your nation. And so we want to talk about those three things tonight. So we have the individuals that we need to deal with. That's you and I. We have to come in contact, (coughs) excuse me, with the spirit of the living God so that we can see divine results. That means we have to be hungry for the things of God. In every revival that has ever been upon this earth, that has been recorded that we know of, there's three basic things that they do to create revival. How many of you want to know what those three things are? When I went to Catherine Kuhlman's meeting, there was something that transpired that took place exactly the same as those that I read about with Smith Wigglesworth. I mean, you can just go down the line with A.A. Allen You know, Jack Cole, Amy Simple McPherson, it all happened the same way. And all of the others in years gone by, Alexander Dowie and so forth, there are certain things that transpire and take place that causes and creates revival atmospheres. And so those three things are this. Prayer. Fasting and unity. Prayer, fasting, and unity. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe pastors already asked our church if on Wednesdays that we would take some time and fast. We're already praying. We should, we've been praying all along, believing God for a supernatural move of the Spirit of God in this house. And we're having it. We're, we're seeing the beginning stages. But it's, it's, going to pick up, it's going to pick up a tempo and it's going to pick up uh, magnificence and power. Power that you and I, most of us, have never seen. We read about it, but most of us have not wis- witnessed it firsthand ourselves. How many of you have ever seen blind eyes opened? There's a few. Deaf ears unstopped. The lame to walk. The dumb to talk. The dead to be raised up. Well, there's a whole lot yet we haven't experienced in our lives. I remember when I was uh, in the Philippines, we were ministering uh, to the Filipino people. In the, uh, during the day, we would have uh, ministers' conferences, and we would minister to the pastors and to the evangelists and so forth that, w- that was there. And we would minister to them during the day. And then at nighttime, we would have open-air uh, crusades or revivals. And it was amazing. They came from everywhere. I mean, when the first note began to be played, the word had already been spread. We were going to be in a certain uh, town center or something. And the people would just come out by the thousands. And things would transpire and happen just like what 
we do in regular service and everything else. And, but uh, there was something that was unique and different about this one service that we were in. There was a blind man that came and he said, oh, probably, well, he, went, he was sitting on the ground, but he was probably three or four rows back from the, the stage area. And the stage was about six foot tall. And the ministers were up on the platform. I was up on the platform with the other ministers and everything else. And we were looking out at the crowd. And, and all of a sudden, we started focusing on this, uh, not just me, but several people began to focus on this blind man. Now, this blind man had uh, been blind from birth, we found out. And he had no pupils. It was just a, like a white uh, eyeball inside of a socket. He had nothing to wear to protect his eyes or he couldn't afford anything of that, that nature, evidently. But uh, there was no provision for him. But all of a sudden, we began to see some color come into his eye. And several of us that were sitting up on the platform, nobody was touching him. There was just praise and worship that was going on. An atmosphere was being created amongst the congregation. And something began to transpire and happen with this man. Some color began to show up. And you could see it because it was just white as white could be. But you could see some, some color beginning to formulate uh, in his eye. And after a little bit... We recognized that the color was getting more distinguished in his eye. And then we could see pupils being formed in his eye. And of course, this guy is beside himself. Because the power of God is all over him, but the Lord like has him frozen. Frozen right there in his space where he was standing and he... He had been worshiping the Lord, but now he's not worshiping. Now he's receiving from the Lord. He's receiving and he lifts up his hands to heaven and his head naturally goes up and he's worshiping. And while he's worshiping, we're up on the platform that's a little bit, like I said, it's not level with him, but we can see down on him and we see pupils that are being formed in his eye. And several of us on the platform, we begin to point and say, look at Look at this. A miracle is happening. A miracle is happening right there. Well, we begin to point at him and then people begin to look at him and they begin to see it and they begin to ooh and the ah and the shout and everything else. And this man saw for the first time in his life just standing there in the midst of praise and worship. That's the reason that I read Psalm 100 to you was because when we create the atmosphere which is conducive for the Lord to move in, He inhabits the praises of His people. So, when, when our band comes up to the platform, our singers come out, and our leader begins to lead us into praise and worship, you should already be ready. At the stroke of his wand, we should sound in harmony together. That's where the unity comes in because unity is what helps to create the atmosphere that we're all wanting to see. 
We want to see the lame walk. We want to see the dumb speak. We want to see those that are bound in any shape or fashion. We want to see them set free. That's what Jesus came to do. It's already paid. The price is already paid in full. Can you say amen? Amen. So it begins with you and I as an individual as we begin to spend time in prayer, in fasting, and in unity. Now go to Psalms 133, and we'll read those three verses of Scripture. Psalms 133. Now, we're just getting started. It's going to get good here in just a minute. I mean, really good. Because, see, Jesus, Jesus himself was a revivalist. Everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he carried anointing with him that satisfied the natural things of humanity. He took care of them. Many places in the scripture it said when he went into a city, he healed them all. Now the word all has a definition. All. He healed them all. Now, that's what we want to see at Heritage of Faith. That when we come in here, everybody in this room gets healed. Gets delivered, gets set free from whatever it is that has come against them. And the enemy is a thief. He comes to steal, he comes to to kill, and he comes to destroy. But he said, Jesus said, I've come that you might have that life. And have that life more abundantly. Not just a little bit, but all the way. Amen. God's no respecter of person. He's only respecter of the principle of his word. He hastens to his word to perform it. He will bring a performance whenever we dare to challenge him in his word. His word declares that by his stripes, I am the healed. His word declares that whenever I'm in him, I'm in covenant relationship. When I'm in covenant relationship, I have everything in the rights of my covenant. And he didn't leave anything out. Nothing. The only reason Christians get bound is because... Now you're quiet. (laughs) Is because... They don't choose to operate and live in their covenant. We have a lot of Christians that go to their grave and never fulfill the destiny of their life. That should not be. The church is going to be the church. He's coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. That means we're finally going to get it together. We're going to finally... Finally, set aside all of the dog tags that we've allowed to be a part of our life. Well, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Baptist. I'm Episcopalian. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a faith word person. I'm a charismatic. I'm an assembly of God. I'm a Methodist. I'm a church of Christ. Did you know that none of those are listed in heaven? None of them. Zero.
I didn't dream that out. I just can't find it. It's just not fair. Jesus came to set us free. But it really depends upon me. It begins with me. Revival is simply this. It's the state of being revived. That's what revival is. It's the state of you and me being revived. We don't have revival unless we get revived. In Psalms 85 and 6, it says, Lord, wilt thou revive us again? Which says to me, they once were revived, but they need to be revived again. That's the reason for the importance of being filled with the Holy Ghost and be being filled over and over and over and over, staying in touch, in tune with what the Spirit of God is trying to do in this last hour. Now, you don't want to be the one that's sitting in the congregation with your hands folded and your heart centered on you or something else whenever the man of God is standing before you preaching the Word of God. We're living in the days of the maximum, the highest level obtainable. He wants us to go all the way to the top. He wants us to let go and let God have His way. I used to like to say it, you need to be in there hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and sinker. So what? They call you fanatic. So what? They call you a Jesus freak. So what? So what? They called them a lot worse things than that. I've been called a lot worse things than that. In my life, I don't know about you. I know when I was in the corporate world, working in the corporate world, we heard all kinds of things. When I was in the Navy, I even heard, my dad said it would make a man out of me. It didn't. It made me worse. <laughs> I learned more language there than I had ever heard in my entire uh, upbringing. You ever heard the term, they cuss like a sailor? <laughs> Sailors got a bad reputation. And I didn't know any different, and I did exactly that. I wasn't born again. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I just adapted to my surroundings around me and the people that I hung out with. When you hang out in places you don't need to be, you always end up in trouble of some kind. When I was young, you know, I, I went with my, my stepmother and my, my dad to bars, to nightclubs. When I was real young. And uh, because you could go in with your parents. And so I didn't know that. I'm just, I'm just a small guy. And I'm sitting underneath the table playing. And whenever my dad would get down to the bottom of his beer, he'd put his beer can down there and give it to me. And I'd drink the rest of the, the beer. As a kid. Little baby. You know, why did I grow up? And have an alcohol problem in my life. When I got into high school and everything else, I used to drink all the time. All the time. That was just, you know, that's what we did. The worst things that we did was drink alcohol and throw spit wads. That was the era I was great raised in. I mean, we had to wear blue jeans, dress shoes, 
And, you know, shirts. You couldn't, girls had to wear appropriate clothing and everything else. And I don't know how I got off on that. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, is times have changed and it's not exactly like that. It just grew worse. And so as things have progressed, it has grown worse. Well, the church began, she was on fire a number of times. The church was on fire throughout the the earth. She was on fire. You've heard of the revivals that have transpired and happened. But she lost her zest and her zeal for the things of God. We can't lose that. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't lose that. So this begins with you. Go with me, if you would, please, in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah Isaiah chapter 57. 57 and verse 15. He said, For thus saith the high and the lofty one, that inhabitation uh, that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also that is of a contrite and an humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. Who's he going to revive? The spirit of the humble. He said, the Lord told us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. To humble ourselves. It's, it's up to you and it's up to me to humble ourselves. How many of you want to see revival really shake Crowley? We start where we're at, where we're planted. And then we can go into Burleson, Fort Worth, and to the uttermost parts of the earth eventually with the power of Almighty God. There's, there's, there's no end to how far we can go. He said that he will... Revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite one. So that lays a foundation of what he's looking for in you and I. And that's the reason it's important that when I come to church, I come to church with a purpose. And my purpose is to meet with him. It's not to see pastor. It's not to see Danny and the music group. It's to come and to cooperate in unity with what's going on because we're all going to meet up with him. We're here to see the Lord. We're here to hear from heaven. We're here to get ourselves fixed in a position so that we can be the same example outside these walls as what we experience inside these walls. Listen, it's easy to worship the Lord in here. It's easy to shout unto God in here. It's easy to jump and run in here. But when we get out there, it's different. They're different, but we shouldn't be. We should be consistently the same all the time. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you. So revival is the state of being revived, restoration of force or power, 
validity or effect, an act or an instance of reviving. That's the definition of revival. The word revive in the Hebrew, it means to live, to nourish up, to preserve alive, to quicken, to recover, to repair, to restore back to life, to restore back to life. So you and I are positioned. Go with me if you would to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. You know this. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. I'm blessed if I hunger after righteousness. Are you hungry? If you're hungry, you shall be filled. Because you'll do what it takes to make that happen. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So it begins with a personal account on me. When I come into the house, I come with a purpose. My purpose is to hook up with the body in this one place. Go with me to Acts chapter number 1, if you would please. I'm not making this stuff up. I had the privilege to be with a man by the name of Charles Duncan. I was telling the pastor about it. It took me a long while to remember Charles's name because it had been such a long time since I was with him back in the 70s. But Charles Duncan traveled with Smith Wigglesworth. And he was one of the main writers for Christ for the Nations with Gordon Lindsay. Anyway, he had come to our church and I was given the assignment to kind of take care of the man of God. And he was a very unique man, different than any other minister that I'd ever been around before. He had a very high caliber of his understanding and his relationship with Almighty God. He didn't settle for anything less than God's best. And so when I sat with him and just talked to him, I had the privilege to be with him for hours. And and while I was with him, naturally, I began to ask him, what was Smith Wigglesworth really like? He said, well, he said, you see me? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen Smith. I said, well, you are a little bit Different than most ministers that I've ever been around. And he said, well, he said, Phil, I said, I found out one thing. The only thing that matters in life is what I do 
with what I've found in Jesus. That's all that matters. He said, so I just decided to be like Jesus because that's who Smith was like. He had principles. He had standards and he didn't violate them. And they all lined up with the word of God. He was from England. And he told me, he said, he was an amazing man. I said, well, you're pretty amazing yourself. I already heard him preach. And man, he was, he was dynamite. I said, what causes you to do that? He said, the Holy Ghost. I mean, the power of God just flowed through him. Everything that he said, I just hung on every word that he had to say. I'm a, I'm a young man growing up in the things of the Lord, and I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know how to make it work. How, to, how do you get this really working? How, do you, how does revival... I hear about revivals and everything else, but I don't see revivals. There's, it's not in the churches here that I've gone to. It's, it's, it's really not. I mean, they, they have a, a certain amount of hunger, but they don't have that kind of stuff you're talking about. And he said, Phil, it's, it's, it's nothing more than dying to you and picking up the cross. I said, what do you mean dying to me? He said, letting go of your way and your will and your ideas and your thoughts and what you want to do because you have a, you have a destiny that was planted on the inside of you in your mother's womb and there's something that God wants you to do for Him. Find that destiny and do it for Him. Because that's all that matters. That's what you will give an account for. He said, you don't need to imitate anybody else. You don't need to try to be anybody but yourself. And just let God use you, be filled, and keep being filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, well, I understand that. I do understand that. He said, well, just keep doing it. And he said, and I promise you, I promise you, you will get to witness the same thing that Smith has witnessed, the same thing I have witnessed, the same thing that all of the greats that have gone by, what they have witnessed. And it's no different for you and I today. God has a destiny for your life individually, but He has a destiny for this church. And we all have to hook up, be of one mind, one accord in this one place. You're at Acts chapter number 1. In verse number four says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which saith he, you have heard of me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So he gave them a command to wait until they be endued with power from on high. Now, Jesus saw over 500 whenever he was being raised up from the earth and he commanded them all to do exactly what was being spoken here. In Acts chapter 2, you see it. He says, and uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord. How is it possible to get all of us that are in this room tonight 
in one accord. We're in one place. We got that right. But how can we get us all on the same page in the same book? Following the same Lord without our agenda, but the agenda of what the Holy Ghost wants. What does the Holy Ghost want? He wants to saturate your life and my life with His presence so I can do the works and the wonders that Jesus did. He gave us a command. He told us, go ye into all the world, proclaim good news. He told us to lay hands on the sick. He told us to cast out devils. He told us to speak with new tongues. If we drink any deadly thing, it will not harm us. Lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That's what he told us to do. But in order for us to do that, we got to say, Amen. 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 So be it done unto me. Amen. It's not just a religious amen. It's something that wants to get a hold of your life and a hold of my life to be able to take me to those venues that we all want to go to. And I think we're hungry enough to do that. If we want to see, we're going to have to do that. They were in one mind, one accord, in one place. And suddenly, I like to call him Mr. Suddenly, but that was my terminology. And suddenly, Mr. Suddenly shows up, and what does he do? He fills them all with the Holy Ghost. They didn't know how the Holy Ghost was going to come. Jesus told them just to go up there and wait until they'd be endued with power. They didn't have a clue how it was going to happen. They didn't know what they were looking for. They just got in one mind, one accord, in one place. Paul and Silas were in the midst of of the inner jail. And what did they do? They began to sing praises unto the Lord. They began to put Psalms 100 into operation and practice. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to show up in the place. A great earthquake happens and loosens all of the shackles, opens up all of the doors, and none of them left. There had been a good time to escape. Some have been in there no telling how long. But nobody left. You know why? Because the presence of the power of God was in that place and they couldn't move. They got captivated by what God was doing. We're coming to a time when the church clock is going to go flying. Time will be nothing. You won't be consumed by time. You won't be consumed by the growl of your stomach or anything else. You'll be consumed by what the Holy Ghost is doing. And when the Holy Ghost comes into the room, He can take over and He can make what seems like to be 30 minutes. It will be hours. And you won't want to leave that place. And neither did they. Because something supernatural 
was happening. But it all begins with you and with me. He's just looking for me to say, Lord, I thank you that you've forgiven me of all of my sin, past, present, and future. My mistakes in life are not going to dog me. They're not going to follow me. I put them behind me. I'm not going to let them disturb my life. Get all caught up with him and do what he has to do. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Are you still with me? Can you take just a little bit more? Because I've got to get to outpouring and I've got to get to the awakening. And getting there is going to be fun, I'm telling you. It's going to be fun. I missed on so much whenever I was a kid. I didn't get to go to Bible school. Our little kids are at, you know, at, at a Bible school type setting and they're being trained and equipped just like what mom and dad would do and what the church does and everything else. And they're excited. The youth just got back from their venture and their camp and everything else. I didn't get those whenever I was growing up. So I had to get it with some uh, adults. The, the easiest people in the world to teach are children. The hardest people to teach in the world. Are you and I. Because many of us are so set in our ways. Listen, when I went to the Philippines and everything else, there was such a, I mean, it's a third world country. They don't have what you and I have. And they were an humble people. They were a loving people. And they were hungry for God because they didn't have bookstores and churches on every corner. They didn't have what you and I have access to. Plus, they didn't have the money to be able to purchase it if it was there. Little pastor there and his wife and his children. They lived in a little clay house, dirt floor, no furniture, none. No running water, none. They slept on a little mat. It was about that thick. And they spread it out on that dirt floor. And all of them climbed on top of the mat with mom and dad. They all slept with mom and dad. I thought, that's not a good setup. I said, Diane, I want to do something about this. Let's go into town and let's buy them a bed. Let's at least buy them a bed. So she and I went into town and we found a store that actually had a bed. It was a Sealy Posturepedic. Nice bed. I don't remember how much it cost, but we bought the bed, told them about it. They delivered the bed. And I told them to take pictures. I wanted to see, you know, them just laying on the bed. I said, give the mat to the kids and you and your wife sleep on the bed. So they send us some pictures. Guess who's on the bed? The kids. 
All the kids are on the bed and they're on the mat. I thought, oh, well, somebody got blessed. We're so blessed. We are so blessed. Are you in 2 Kings chapter 13? Look at verse number 20. How many of you know revival has been going on for ever since it all began? There is a sense of revival that is going on. The Holy Spirit didn't vacate the earth. He moved upon individuals uh, upon the earth and then he would return back to his domain in the presence of God. But he would move upon people. Kings, priests, you know, and queens. He would move upon them. And so, Elisha, it says, And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass, as they were uh, burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man in the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived. One of the definitions of revive was to make alive. He revived. His, he's been in there. His bones are there. But his bones are still anointed. And they threw him on his bones and the man came alive. Can you imagine what the man thought? Can't even imagine. He's been dead. Now he's back alive. He's alive. Well, that's the way the church is. When Jesus comes into your heart, he changes you. You've been made alive. You've been quickened. You've been brought back to life to be able to do what God has called you to do. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter 4. We're talking about outpouring. What happens at outpouring? What's the difference between revival and outpouring? The outpouring is where the manifestations begin to manifest. Because we create the atmosphere and we do whatever is necessary so that the Holy Spirit can do what He does best and that's move in the supernatural. It's not God's desire that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Let's take it another step further. It's not God's desire that any stay sick but that all be made whole. It's not God's desire that any be bound and tormented by demonic forces, but that all be delivered. It's not God's desire that any be poor, but that all would be made rich. Well, there's that money thing. No, it's not a money thing. It's an attitude and a heart thing. Because the reason that you want the monies is to be able to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, 
You know, when you take a hose, I don't care if it's 100 feet long, 50 feet long, 25 feet long. How many of you know the hose is nothing more than the source? And the water flows through the hose. How many of you know the hose gets wet? And then the water comes out the end. And then whatever it's attached to or whatever it's going to be doing, it waters that as well. It just touches and makes life out of everything. Well, God wants you to be blessed inside and out. Coming in, going out. The head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse number 8. Oop, I'm in John. Acts chapter 4, verse number 8. It says, And Peter, being filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised up from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Now he's talking about the man that was raised up at Gate Beautiful. He was asking for alms. Remember, he was bound from birth. They put him there every day. And people would come by and he would ask alms. And Peter and John passed by, not the first time they've passed by and seen this man, but they passed by him, but they had an unction to function. The Holy Ghost began to move upon Peter and John, and Peter said, look on us. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Reached out, grabbed him by the hand, and he sprang to his feet, and he went walking and leaping and praising God right into the house of God. Now, there's many miracles that took place right then. It wasn't just that he was able to walk. How many of you know that before you can walk, you have to crawl? Before you crawl, you know, you have to make the efforts to move. So he had to make all, he would have had to make all of the natural efforts and learn by process. But not in this case. His ankles received strength. His muscles that were atrophied were not atrophied anymore. He had muscles in his leg. He sprang up and he went into the house of God, walking, leaping, and praising God. Why? Because somebody said, I got something that you need. And so do you. You got something. That's the reason he said, go ye. He didn't say sit ye. He said, go ye. There's a time to sit and be taught, but then there's a time to go. And just let destiny in your life take its course. You're already anointed. You're already appointed. You already got a job to do. And that's just simply to follow what he said to do. He said, lay hands on the sick, they'd recover. I shared this with you before. You don't have to lay hands on them and pray for them. Just put your hands on them. If you want to pray for them, fine. But it doesn't say that. It says, lay hands on the sick. And you shall see them recover. 
Some, some people are so afraid to say anything or I don't know how to pray. Learn. Just pray from your heart. When you speak to the Lord, I, I, I pray you don't say, Lord, I hope that thou, you know, will do whatever that thou wantest to do in me. Just talk to him. Just be plain. He understands English. He understands Chinese. He understands every language that's on the earth. He's the one that split it. He's the one that caused all of the languages to take place. He knows them all. So the man that was lame at the gate beautiful is in this story. He went out and he began to walk. Well, let's, let's finish with this. Be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that the man Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of, uh, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other man under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Listen, you hang out with Jesus, you get Jesus' results. That's what they did. They just simply hung out with Jesus and they got Jesus' results. Some of us need to separate ourselves from some of the folks that we've been around, that we've hung out with because they've been our friends for years, but yet they're not following after truth. You become the product of who you hang out with. When I was in high school, I had a lot of friends. I was a leader in football and, and different things. And, and uh, all of my buddies, they all drank. So that's what I did. I drank with them. After I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I went back to our family reunion with our, the students. You know, We had a family reunion for our high, our high school reunion. We went back to our 20th year. And when we got back to the 20th year, I'd already been born again, been pastoring now and everything else. And my best buddy, and who was my best man in our wedding... He saw me and he came up to me, he came running up to me with a fifth of whiskey in his hand. And he said, let's go have some fun. I said, Bill, I don't do that anymore. He said, what do you mean? You don't do that anymore. I said, no, I don't do that anymore. I don't need that. He said, well, man, we can get drunk and, you know, get a big high. I said, no, I still get drunk. I didn't say I didn't get drunk. I still get drunk. But I don't have hangovers anymore. I don't hang over a toilet and throw up in the toilet. I don't do all of the th- those things you used to do. He said, man, what kind of stuff is that? 
I said, it's called the Holy Ghost. I said, I get high on the Holy Ghost. I don't need anything else to get high on. I said, I found something that it has absolutely no side effects. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, Phil, you never lied to me in your life. Why are you lying to me now? I said, no, I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. He said, well, I just don't believe, I just don't understand it. And he walked away with his head hanging. And I really felt bad because he just didn't get it. All of my buddies that I grew up with are dead. All of them. One of them ended up in prison. The others died from cirrhosis of the liver. Others from cancer. It's sad. Now, when the next high school reunion comes, it'll be, we've already gone to the 50th. So I'm getting up telling you my age. And there's a bunch of them that are gone. At the last one, one of the girls that I used to date, she called me and she said, Phil, she said, I, I hear that you're a, a minister of the gospel. And I said, yes, that's true. She said, would you come and speak at our next reunion? I said, I'd be happy to come and speak at our reunion. She said, I, I don't know how many of them will be there. I had a my graduating class was over 500. Diane's was, and our two high schools did it together. Hers was over 700. And so when we would come together and everything else, anyway, I showed up and ministered there. What an honor and a privilege it was to speak. Many of them didn't know who Jesus Christ was at all. Never had known. There wasn't anybody that raised their hand to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But Bill was there. And Bill said, he said, Phil, I'd rather be around you than any other person that's here. I said, well, hang around and it'll rub off on you. I said, I still get real high. And it's a lot of fun. A lot more fun than we ever had. Amen. Amen. So the lame man, he got up, he walked, he leaped, and he praised God right into the house of God. Let me get to the last part here in closing. Go with me to Acts chapter 5. This is the awakening. The awakening affects cities, state. In nations. Acts chapter 8. Starting at verse 5. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. 
And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Philip went from personal relationship to an outpouring in his life and then to an awakening. God used him to wake a city up called Samaria. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. I guess so. They got it right side up, got the people hooked to the right source of supply, and it created an atmosphere that was happy. That's the reason he said, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. It awakened the whole city. But did you see that whenever the city got awakened, it got awakened because revival came to them, just like Jesus came to the people he came to, and he revived them. He revived them, restored them quickened them, made them alive again, healed their sick with signs and wonders, and then changed cities, just like Philip did, just like we're going to do. If they can get them all, we can get them all. The only thing that keeps them bound is the one that we have power and authority over. Come and stand to your feet.